On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, breaking down Orioles Mariners from every angle, every pitch, every moment, unless binge mode has plans that I don't know about. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, it's the BBQ Bowl. It is indeed. Happy BBQ Bowl week. Mariners Orioles, the whole nation turns their eyes to this series, this four-game set in Baltimore, which game one rained out on Monday. We've got a doubleheader here on Tuesday. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's possible the Mariners are already up by 30 runs. We will touch on all that at the end of this podcast, but obviously we have plenty more to get to. Uh, we'll do the good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to talk to Brent Honeywell Jr. We gotta, Don't forget the junior, the 19,939th player in Major League history about his Major League debut. Talk about Joe Musgrove, obviously. Talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. And, of course, we're going to talk about Jacob deGrom, the big loser that is Jacob deGrom. He just can't seem to win those baseball games. Bobby, please stay muted. All right, Jake. Those are our plans for this here episode. Uh, But, of course, before we begin the baseball chatter, we would, of course, like to address um, the cancellation, the postponement yesterday of the Twins-Red Sox game in the wake of yet another tragic police shooting in the state of Minnesota. Um, this is something that uh, when they decided to postpone it, I think it was obviously considered the correct and mature and appropriate decision. The statement that the Twins put out um, made very clear that it was about the city that was in mourning and they wanted to show respect uh, for the family of Dante Wright. Uh, this is something that the fact that they postponed it at all, I think, says a lot about where we are and how we handle these issues. This is something that very we did not until last year. We did not really see cancellations like this, but the fact that baseball is trying to get out of the way when it feels like it is meant to uh, is at least a sign of progress. But obviously, we have a lot of work to do beyond that. I I mean, I think it is is a no-brainer now um, for the Twins to do this. I think it's good that they did it. I think that the organization needs to continue to evaluate their relationship with law enforcement in the city um, and continue using their power as a you know, institution in Minnesota to lean on the powers that be to affect change in their area. You know, it is not rocket science that, you know, black and brown people in this country are disproportionately affected by law enforcement and are killed by law enforcement. And this is just another dot, just another story in the sad history of that. And like, good for the twins for postponing it. It's a no brainer. It's 5% of the work. Um, this it for people who are like, oh, it's you know, keep politics out of my sports. That's not how that works. Can't do that anymore. Really, nope. never were able to do that to begin with. Like, yeah. it shouldn't have been it. doing that to begin. Sorry, with. Um, this is just and, yeah. it's the way the world works now, and it's better. So yeah. that's how it is, and that's how it's going to be. Um, yeah. that game, I believe they're playing a doubleheader today on Tuesday to make big, up for that. Yeah, yeah um, doubleheader. To today or tomorrow, uh, they will be making those games up. But um, yeah, it was the right call. And uh, but like you said, uh, anything that the Twins can continue to do to shine a light on an issue that clearly still has a lot of work uh, to be done with it. So uh, we just wanted to address that because that is a big news that is now normalized in a weird way. But, you know, it's good. Yeah, especially when you look at it, you know, within the context of the Orioles empty stadium, Freddie Gray game. Sure. Right. Sure. Like that's very different. Um, All right, Jordan Schusterman. Let's talk about Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove, the San Diego son, the son of the son of the pot, the Padres. He's a Padre. He's the son of the city of San Diego. He's a Padre, San Diego Padre, San Diego son at the same time, but not El Nino. 
That's Tatis. <laughs> no. Joe Musgrove I'm- threw the first no-hitter in franchise history last Friday. Uh, now, this is particularly notable because the Padres were the final team, the last team in the major leagues before we get, you know, the Portland lumber yard to have a no-hitter. They were last. Uh, and it was just pretty fucking cool, Jordan. Yeah, pretty and, cool. you know, when they when Preller went out and, and traded for Darvish— uh, and traded for Snell and, and, and traded for Musgrove and Clevenger, right? Of course, we know Clevenger this year. It was like, all right, well, clearly he would prefer it that the Padres do throw a no hitter at some point this season. But Musgrove would not have been the one that you pick because I, I, that's why I love that Musgrove did it uh, because he all of his stuff and his his breakout that has been kind of been waited on for the last few years has not necessarily been predicated on like, oh my God, he has some of the best stuff in the league. It's like, oh, he's just a really good pitcher. He gets ground balls. Strikeouts have gone up, but like, it's not like he's out there throwing the best stuff we've ever seen, right? Um, But to have an outing like that, and yes, the Rangers offense is abominable as we will get to later. um, He was amazing. And we should also point out no walks. Either this is a, this was a no walk, no non-perfect game because of the the hit by pitch uh, to Joey Gallo, but just a, a flawless game. It was beautiful that he was the one that got to do it. Uh, a little disappointing that it was in Texas and not in San Diego, but obviously a huge moment. This is a guy we know he's from San Diego. He's got a Padres tattoo that he's he's had with him <laughs> for his whole That's career. The thing, dude, it's uh, it's I, just I, it's. So I wrote cool. about this. I wrote about this. You know, at our new gig over at Fox Sports this week, like. Joe, like people are from places. Like some people are from places. Like Joe Musgrove is like from San Diego. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, Jordan and I are, like, kind of from Maryland, you know? But, like, Joe Musgrove is, like, a San Diegan. Like, oh, yeah. go through his Instagram. He's got a lot of... He's always wearing Vans. He's at strip malls outside doing workouts. He's going to the beach. He's surfing. I was he really probably, fascinated to see where you were going to go with he's from San Diego. Go look through his Instagram. Like, what is San Diego culture? I feel like that's a very nebulous kind of L.A.-adjacent... But no, you got no, it. You, no. got, you left Diego out the craft culture. breweries, though. I know. I, mm-hmm. The San Diego culture is like you know the SNL skit. The what is it? SoCal SoCal lifestyle. The one the one with um, Kyle Mooney and uh, and and Beck Bennett. They're like you were the kicker at Keith's dad's condo. That like that's like San Diego lifestyle is like Volcom. It's Volcom. it's hit it's hitting yeah. the surf. It's it's treading some treading some gnar. You know, heading down to the Osh. Uh, so anyway, that's Joe Musgrove, and it is very nice that he was the guy who did it because this was kind of like this weird cloud over the franchise. Yeah, um, where like the you know we always talk about this like the Padres are the thirtieth team your friend names when they're trying to name baseball teams, and the lack of a no no in a way was like a little slice of that story. Also, I'm a hundred percent certain that Joe Musgrove knew about this. When he was traded there, when he had a no-no through seven, like, like on top of I'm throwing a no-hitter for the first time in my career, he was certainly thinking, oh my God, I know this. I've been a Padres fan since I was four. I know the Padres right. have never thrown a no-hitter. Like if this was Chris Paddock or you Darvish or Clevenger or, you know, whomever the hell or Blake Snell, like there's a chance that they wouldn't have known that, right? Which is fine. Like they don't need to know the franchise history. But like this is something that Joe Musgrove grew up thinking about like when he was going to like watch Woody Williams pitch in like 2005 you know that was in his consciousness you know when when whoever was was throwing a a no-no through five Joe you know 13 year old Joe Musgrove was like oh am I gonna see it and then for him to do it is is really special and it was cool to see the other uh San Diego guys around the league all of whom were somehow on the Pirates uh in Stephen Brault Trevor Williams like (laughs) Being like, I'm happy it was Joe. Like, it's cool that it was Joe. Like, it, it matters that it was him. Again, off obviously would have been cooler if it was in Petco, but congrats to the Padres. And like, you know, this is a nice little symbolic victory for them. They're a real team. They do real team things now. Right? <laughs> just throw no hitters, right? Throw no it hitters. is crazy in this era uh, that it had gone that long, you know, to, to not have a no-no, but, but for him to right. do it was really special. And of course, we have to point out, as we record this on Tuesday, Joe Musgrove's next scheduled start Wednesday night in Pittsburgh. Where else? He will try to do his Johnny Vandermeer against the team that traded him away, uh, justifiably so. <laughs> but um, that will be uh, very, very special. I will, I will very much be tuned into that. So, um, yeah, man. But it's and, and also in a more you know macro point, uh, if Joe Musgrove is awesome, wow, the Padres are because we've just penciled him in as like a really good four. 
You know, that's yeah. kind of how we've been thinking about him. But if he's, he's more two. than that, I mean, damn. Padre's, I mean, if he gets uh, if he gets the if he gets to face the uh, the Rangers every time, that might be pretty sweet. All right, Jordan from Joe Musgrove in his no hitter to a man with tons of fucking hits, Ronald Acuna Jr. Holy shit, he has started the year absolutely scalding hot. His team has been whatever, like I told you they would be. The Braves, I called it all over it, feeling feeling fine. But Ronald Acuna Jr. is the absolute truth. Uh, Ten days into the season, he is probably the National League front runner, front runner for MVP. Yes, it's too early, but it's also never too early to start planning for the MVP. Jordan Schusterman, what has struck you about Ronald Acuna Jr. so far this season? I mean, so I went back and listened to what we said about him uh, on the the twenty six people that will define the season. Yeah. And we talked about how his town, we had him pretty, I think we had him like at 20 or something. I don't know. We talked about how his talent is so unbelievable and he is very much belonging in the conversation with Soto and Tatis. But we were so wrapped up in the Soto MVP, you know, Soto is Ted Williams, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the face of baseball, that Acuna, who is basically every bit as talented and has already done it even certainly more than Tatis has at the major league level already, right? And has done it and has and showed in the second half of last year that he's every bit as amazing as these two other players, that we find ourselves that, okay, it's we can only keep the hype up for so long with all of these guys. And he has boldly uh, reminded us how ridiculous he is. And the, the real thing that I want to point out now is that when I was talking about him, I was like, oh, well, he's never going to be the kind of hitter that Soto is because he just swings too much. That's true, I guess, because Soto is a savant and Soto is Ted Williams, sure. But like he, in the second half of last year and this year already, is not swinging <laughs> too much. His yeah. strikeout rate is down to like 12%. I know it's only through 10 games. But like if that's happening, the sky is the limit beyond what we even could conceive of. And what he's doing on a basis, of course, has been so amazing. He is just such a thrill. And on that team that, that is, of course, loaded with other major leaguers that are really good, I, I'm so glad that we're being reminded. And it sucks that Tatis is out. Of course, that's a lot of it, too, is like to see this style of play is so nice uh, with Tatis out. But, man, he's incredible. He is really something. I want to talk about the uh, yellow arm guard slash wrist tape slash accent marks along his 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 tertiary color, Jordan. Uh, I think it is incredible. I thought a lot about it over the last week. It is so bright. If you're at a Braves game, you know it's him. You, you, you can see him on the bases. You know it's him. You can see him from space, okay? That's Which how he wants great, it. Because then the aliens can watch him too. The other aliens, other than Ronald Acuna, can also watch him, right? And like, <laughs> it is, it's for Venezuela because he's from Venezuela and the Venezuelan flag is red, blue, and yellow. And to me, I don't want to give MLB a world of credit here, but this feels like the type of thing that three years ago, they would have sent an email to Ronald Acuna Jr. telling him you can't wear the yellow armband. And I'm not saying that MLB is going to be fine and baseball will be saved because they're being lax about this. So that's all I'm saying. I'm saying that this does feel that particular very specific thing, the wherewithal to like, if you're going to do let the kids play, this is a small example of letting the kids wear what the fuck they want. You know, you think, you think it's easy to get Ronald on email? Do you think he responds quickly <laughs> these days? Just an email straight or I'm maybe it goes sure when into players spam. Get fined, the clubby like prints out the, hey, MLB's mad at you and puts it in their locker. <laughs> <laughs> which which is yeah maybe he is checking his email i can imagine his inbox is probably pretty full like he gets uh, off the field after you know first home to first in 1.7 seconds and he's like i just gotta check my emails really quick i gotta hey. email 50 percent off at gap this weekend you, you just nice. gotta add you gotta add him on the brave slack Ooh, yeah yeah to make sure he gets that notification <laughs> at here yeah. ronald are you seeing this please <laughs> emoji react if you saw this please you need you can't you can't wear that but he, uh, yeah. I know I know that's a very like specific thing, but I I I think it's great. No, I'm all in on it. It's yeah. it's totally true. Um, and and I mean the base running is like, and I know people were were freaking out about him tagging on the the ball that was just you know Rojas lost it in the in the lights, and then Ch Jazz made a crazy play. Like I mean it was it was very aggressive, but it was also just a smart read. But no, the infield hit hit very hard. 2DD charging and beating that out 
was I think yeah. one of the most impressive infield hits I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he is he is moving at a degree that I I, I didn't even think. Even when we've seen him playing center and making diving yeah. catches and you know these triples, it's just it is unbelievable. And I, I hope he can stay on the field, and I hope we can watch him for 162 this year. It's almost like, and I, it's almost this is unfair to Acuna in a way because he is his own man and his own player. But it is almost like he saw the hype that Soto was getting and that Tatis was getting, and he was like. Oh, you like Tatis because he can do this crazy base running shit and is insanely fast? Well, watch me. And then he yeah. saw Soto with the crazy plate discipline mm-hmm. and, you know, was like, oh, oh, I can do that too. Right. And so he's like, he's like gained, he's like Kirby. He's like <laughs> sucking up the superpowers from these other mega stars. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'll do that too. So, yeah. you know, and it's great. Like, fuck yeah. I, I love Ronald Acuna Jr. I, I hope he keeps this thing rolling. Yeah. And he is, there's also just, there's so, I love that he bats lead off too, because obviously it's just more times we get to watch him. Um, but there's nothing, when he had all those lead off home runs a few years ago, and I don't know if he has a lead off home run this year yet, but it's just, I, I will always tune in to the first, to the first inning of a Braves game because yeah, he, you know. he is, he is must watch in that sense. Um, and in terms of setting the tone, like he is, he is just spectacular. So, Last full season we, we saw you, from him. He was close to 40 40. I'm writing about this. As a this 21 this year old. As, as a, a 21 year old, old. He only stole two bases in April that year and was three steals away from 40 40 with an injury down the stretch. I mean, I'm writing about this this week. Very excited about it. I think he's got a really good shot as, as anyone's had in a long, probably since Matt Kemp. And he wants it. That's the other That's thing. That's the like, other thing. Like, yeah, Trout, he gives a shit. Trout probably could, but he's done the cost benefit analysis and he's like, no. I'm not right. Yeah, Trump at least could have done it at yes. one point if yes. he had cared about it. Right. right. And he's still 96% Dallas Prince. Like he probably could still do it. But he's just he's just decided, look, you know, after after he had the, the broken thumb. Um, and that's and that's the risk. And again, sorry to end this on that. Like, we just want these guys to stay healthy. And I want to I don't want Acuna to change. I don't want Satis to change and play literally out of their, you know, jersey. Like they are so beyond what we can fathom in terms of physical achievements and physical attempts to do these things that it's reckless right it is and that's what we love about it and so we just hope he can stay healthy and, and yeah. keep doing it because uh man he is a delight uh we'll um, turn one more topic before we yes. head to good bad and ugla okay yeah we you know look if you listen to this pod you know how we feel about umpiring conversations generally oh okay sure mm-hmm uh, are, do you want to talk about? Sorry, are you going to talk about this later? Or you want to talk about this now? Well, I, we, I could come up with another bad. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I think let's just get out of the way. Let's just get okay, out of the let's way. Let's get out of the way. Let's let's talk about it. because we, we were talking about the Braves and the Braves, the Braves. The Braves had a game, uh, a situation happen to them um, this this past weekend or this past week uh, with Alec Bohm. This was also on Sunday Night Baseball, right? I believe. Yeah. Uh, Alec Bohm uh, coming home for the go ahead run in the ninth inning on a sack fly. <laughs> to Mars, I should point out Marcelo Zuna in very short left field. People continue to test the floppy arm. Great of throw, Zuna. great throw by by Ozuna standards. Uh, he slides. It was very close. I'm not blaming the home plate umpire for initially calling him safe. That's not the problem. They go to replay. It is very obvious that he never touched home. They show the replay. It is a very uh, just bizarre kind of surreal thing to watch the umpire come off the headset, go safe. As the screen is showing Bohm not touching home, and you're thinking, like, am I crazy? What is going on? Phillies go on to win that game. Uh, this was, of course, a few days after the Michael Conforto hit-by-pitch walk-off, which hashtag, is a different situation. Hashtag lean in. Hashtag lean in. Hashtag lean in. Um, but another one where people were mad at the umpiring. I think these are two very different situations because with the Conforto situation— Conforto had- just did what he had to find a new slant. Okay, hey, Bobby. <laughs> I I think okay. Anybody mad at Conforto or Bohm is he's on a slump. He's just getting his team a W. Counts all oh, yeah. the same. All right, thanks for calling it. <laughs> I don't think we're mad at Conforto, but I know some people are mad at Conforto. But Conforto's doing what pretty much ninety nine percent of players do, which is like, all right, we'll see what happens. Like, I'll lean in if they call Fuck me it. back. They call me back. Um, but 
In the Conforto situation, it was a replay where the replay rules did not allow them to fix the call. The umpire screwed up and then they couldn't fix it. And then everyone was just like, well, this is dumb. How do we fix the replay rules? The Boehm situation, they watched the play. They could have fixed it. The whole point of them looking at the play was to fix it. And they still botched it. That is, of course, the people in New York, not the people on the field, the umpires on the field who have to wear it. Because remember, when it goes to replay, they go, they put the headsets on. And then whatever they tell them in New York, they have to be like, okay, that's what happened. And then from there, they're the ones getting booed you can't boo the people that are in your like they're, that's who they're pissed at but the umps on the field they're probably like well that, they're gonna go back and watch it after and they're gonna be like what the fuck <laughs> he was clearly and now i look stupid so it's a mess but i know you think that it all kind of evens out in the end in terms of the bad umpiring i the bad um, i mean and maybe this is because my team hasn't played an important baseball game in half a decade but like I very much find it hard to get riled up about bad umpiring. I think on the on the list of problems that threaten baseball and that make baseball less watchable, bad umpiring is not high on it. I think that bad umpiring, you know, can dictate games very often and like it it did here, but like 98% of the time it it's right. They get it right now, right? And they get it right more now with replay than they used to. And like that's a good thing. Are they batting a thousand? No. Should they be with replay? Yes, that's why the Bohm thing is more inexplicable to me than the than the Conforto. The Conforto thing is like if a the rules are bad that you can't review that play and an umpire made a mistake in a moment in a big spot and that happens. Like pitchers make mistakes and hitters make mistakes and you listening to this podcast, you make mistakes too. And like <laughs> umpires deserve criticism for the mistakes they make because they're very public. Yes, but like I don't think that there's anything that's like like that person doesn't need to be fired like we don't like it, it, it. One bad umpiring mistake does not mean that the entire situation is fucked. I agree. Is I, I guess agree. my point. I agree. And, I do and, think that they need to expand it to be like everything is reviewable. There's no point that anything's not reviewable because we're Kick already it, going to replay so often. So much. Like once you're right. going there, just get the freaking call right. Look at what happened and decide what happened is what happened. If if the ump because yeah. the ump would have been out of line technically with the Conforto situation if he came out and be like, "Sorry, just kidding. I screwed up. My bad." Technically, he would have been breaking the own rules that he's supposed to be enforcing, but no one would have been pit. Like, who would he? Would the umpire have gotten in trouble then? Like, I don't really know what would have happened then. The but problem is the reliance been, on yeah. replay review got us here, though, because in 2007, yeah. if this happened, they would have just met and the crew chief who was in the field would have been like, no, he obviously leaned into that and you were about to call a strike. We have to overturn that. For the but now, because they true. went to replay yeah. review, they can't change it because that's not part of the replay review rules. And I see what you guys are saying in that it should be part of the replay review right. rules but even even in instances when it is reviewable they still get it wrong so no but like uh, more replay reviews don't that's the thing dude is that like they they get it wrong on replay review one out of every 100 times like it's not it's still much better than the alternative you know which is getting it wrong a lot more often like, do they get it wrong one out of every hundred times or do sometimes they get it technically right, but it's dumb anyway, like popping off the bag or like a second right. base yeah. or a shortstop misses like, dragging his foot over the top of the bag by 0. 0.01 seconds on a double play. Like, what are we doing here? What I are we wish doing here? I had our lives hot, are too finite, Jake. I wish I had a hotter, more fervent opinion on this, everyone. I don't. If you don't, if MLB came out tomorrow and said no more replay, I'd be like, fine, whatever. <laughs> If they were like, we're replaying everything, I'd be like, fine, whatever. It does not, on an Same. average that night, I'm I, know, I know I'm, we're different because we're watching so much baseball and we're not the target audience and we should not be MLB's target audience and I believe that. But on a given night, for me personally, I'm watching four games. One of them goes to a replay review, whatever. Take two minutes, watch the game to the right on my quad box. I'm gonna be okay. I think that like, it's fine. It's okay. Like, there are other larger institutional issues with the game of baseball than replay review. Okay? That's just where I stand. That, that yes. being said, like the that DH. being said, that being said, <laughs> Jordan and I have pitched this before. If you're up or down by seven, after the seventh, you're not allowed to do a challenge. No replay. That, no more. Sorry. No. Doesn't matter. If it doesn't impact the game, it, you can't do it. Like, that's the worst. When you're watching the end of a blowout and it's like, a replay review on like a bang bang play at first in the eighth, and it's like, let's just go home. Come on. Please. Most managers have that rule unofficially anyway, though. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's that's very true. Um, all right, Jordan. That's enough umpire talk for a fucking whole season. Yes. Uh I agree. I agree. Let's, uh yeah, let's let's take a little let's take a little break. 
And uh, mm. we will be back with the good, the bad, the ugly. All right, and we are back. Sorry. Sorry what about a, the drone. Uh, what a we, lovely welcome back to the pod. Yeah, I figured, you know, not like music to people's ears. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. The segment where we talk about one thing that was good over the week, one thing that was bad, and one thing that was Dan Ugla, a.k.a. weird, a.k.a. off the beaten track, a.k.a. thick and strong and second base. Not not really. Uh, Jordan, I'm going to begin this week with my good, which was Brent Honeywell. Ooh. Friend of the show, Brent Honeywell, making his major league debut after... 18 years rehabbing from 2000 arm surgeries, former top prospect, 2017 futures game MVP, made his MLB debut on Sunday against the motherfucking Yankees. And he threw two scoreless innings, striking out Giancarlo Stanton in the process. And it was absolutely joyful. It was the most nervous I've been for a baseball game since I played baseball. I have to say, uh, And it was great, dude. It was great. It was very, it was very cool. Um, and yeah, we we've been been lucky enough to to know Brent. Um, really met him for the first time. Uh, I guess yeah, like back in, in we had him on our original podcast uh, way back uh, many many years ago, and then we saw him in the Futures game. And just someone who loves baseball, like you know, we we talk about there's some baseball players who are just good at baseball. And they play baseball, they go, they play baseball, and then they go home. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Andrew Benatendi. Brent Honeywell is the kind of guy that to take baseball away from him for as long as as his injuries did, um, it couldn't happen to a to a, a worse, worse slash better guy. Like he yeah, yeah, yeah. lives this shit, man. He lives this shit. His dad pitched in the in the minor leagues uh, in the 80s with the Pirates. This is all he's ever wanted to be. And the fact that he got so close. And 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 you know was out gone for so long is crazy. So to see him out there was really really special, and he looked great. It was very very cool. We know how hard he's been working, but we also know how much his teammates love him. We know how much that everyone with the Rays on Sunday was posting about it being Honey Day on their Instagrams because they've seen him work on the backfields. This is stuff that you'd never see, uh, and it was just great to see him finally get the opportunity to face another team. And and when it was first announced on Saturday, by the way, completely out of nowhere, like. I had a sense that he would debut at some point in the first half of the season since he's been healthy and throwing well. The fact that it was just like, surprise, he's pitching against the Yankees tomorrow was amazing. And the fact that he handled that so well and threw two perfect innings was was awesome. And I would say my favorite moment from the outing was after his first inning, when he got out of the first inning, uh, he got Hicks to ground out. Um, You see him come across the line. And Brenton is pretty much all business when he's pitching, but there is the slightest smile that you see or you can tell, like, damn, I just did that. I just pitched in the majors, and that made me very happy. Uh, what did you have a favorite part from from the outing? Yeah, my favorite part was the was the Zunino Homer. Was watching <laughs> oh, yes. Brent react to the Zunino Homer. It was like, oh, he's in the big leagues. Like he gets to like, I know he was there for the World Series last year, but like he gets to be there in the dugout, right? Like he mm-hmm. like he is on the team pitching in the major leagues with yep. Mike Zunino. And Zunino homering was like the perfect, no, you know, it was, like, it was so cool. Obviously, pick. I was I was all about that. But we we can only you know describe this so so much, Jake, right? Yeah, that's true. So I think we should bring in an expert on this and bring Brent Honeywell. Up. All right, to uh, learn more about Brent Honeywell's debut, we're going to bring in Baseball Barbecue's foremost Brent Honeywell correspondent. Brent Honeywell. Brent, how's it going, brother? Hey, fellas. No one knows Brent Honeywell like Brent Honeywell. <laughs> it is It is very true. We wanted to go straight to the source. Uh, Brent, you made your major league debut. Um just a couple days ago, finally, a long-awaited debut for everyone, not just us who are uh, friendly with you, but also people who remembered, hey, who is that guy who won the 2017 Futures Game MVP? Whatever <laughs> happened to him? Whatever happened to that guy? Uh, so you threw two perfect well, games Well, hopefully against, those people yeah? can get woke back up. So, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Those Yankee fans. Well said. Well said. Well, I think you did. I think you did wake them back up. There are a lot of tweets, of course. Very excited to see you back on the mound. But we just had a little bit of a conversation about our favorite parts of the day. But we wanted to ask you, what was your favorite part of your major league debut? It could be the from the whole day, whether it was you know once the game started, after. What was your favorite part of your day, your major league debut? Uh, probably my favorite part was right before I got on the mound to throw the first pitch. I think that was before, the th- before I threw my first warm-up pitch. I just remembered that my dad, my mom, my brother, and all of them were there to watch. A lot of family there. Uh, it's something that a lot of family's been waiting for for a while. Um, you know, that's why I kept digging, you know. Kept digging for the bros back home. Kept digging for the boys here. Um, it was a, it was for sure a good day. It was a, the whole day was probably my favorite part of the day, but <laughs> towing, towing the slab again in the game that counted would meant the world. I'm curious, right? Because on one hand, like to be a successful pitcher with your mentality, you have to be like, fuck you all the time. Right. And like for you being a big leaguer is not the end of the story by any means. Right. Like that is no. not success. But did did you were you allowed did you allow yourself a moment to like enjoy that you made it? Yeah, I did. I think that was the thing that Kyle kind of stressed to me the most was like if you do anything today, you make sure you take in, you know, what's in front of you and, and what's going on because it's a it's definitely a it's definitely a real a, a, a cool experience for for anyone and and everyone that gets the opportunity to do it and um you know it was. Yeah, I gave myself the moment right before the. I don't know. It's, it's almost like I wanted to know how long it actually took because it felt like it was a fucking eternity. <laughs> so it the felt like it hour, was so the long. hour before first pitch was longer than the three and a half years you spent. Yeah, rehabbing. and then and then you get out there and then it slows down even more. Like that's kind of the biggest thing I took in with me is that I wanted to slow it down. I wanted to make sure that I was moving at my own pace and the game was moving at my own pace. And I didn't want anything to get away from it, but Kyle made sure to tell me, you know, look, man, enjoy, enjoy the time here. You only get to do to make your debut once, and and that really stuck with me. And I and I and I think I did. Whenever a hitter makes their debut, they get their first hit. They get to keep the ball. Do you mm-hmm. get anything from your first day? You get that first strikeout ball. Yeah, I got the first pitch. I got my. That's the first thing. T-Wall came up to me and said, you know, like, listen, we want to. We're gonna we're gonna get your jersey. We're gonna get the balls and everything like this. Like, don't worry about it. you got pitch. We'll we'll talk about that later. And yeah, I got my I got my strikeout. I got the so what I would always do is I would always throw my dad the one that I use in the pen because mm. like that's always like our thing. That's like our our thing. Like he yells down to me and I just wherever he's at, I throw him up the ball that I use in the pen. And uh, I got to give him this one with a with a cool ass sticker on it, which is cool. Oh. Oh, the authenticated. Hey. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so now, a, a question I, I know a lot of people ask for anyone major major debut was, was it what you expected? But you were have obviously been imagining this moment for four years. And the story has been told with all the injuries and the surgeries and the waiting. But I think what's amazing to me about, about your story is that you truly conquered. You The last game you threw was winning the AAA championship. You can't get higher on the minor league ladder than winning the AAA championship. Right. Like, that's it. Like, I did it. I did the minor leagues. And then you had to right. wait four years so my question is was there anything different about you finally pitching in a major league game or every you envisioning visualizing it over the last four years was it basically what you expected uh i don't think you can really i don't think you can really put it like you can't really simulate it because it's literally there is no next step from there it's like kind of like what you're saying like there is no like that's it like those are the those are that's the cream of the crop dude like that's who it is like that's Especially the, best, the Yankees. Best, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get a chance to face a lineup like that. That's like that's what I wanted to do. That's what I want to do. That's what I feel like I would like to do every fifth day. <laughs> like that's it's something that I just have been having to think about for four years, and I think it, you know, it like I said earlier, it just kind of allowed me to slow it down a little bit, and you know, I ran it through my head so many times, I just felt like I was prepared anyway, in and out. So that was my biggest thing. I did not want to go into that unprepared 
So, and I think I did a pretty good job. I, I think you did. I think that's you did. the thing, right? Like, you know, you probably made, you've had that moment in your head every night before you went to sleep since you were five years old. Right. Oh, yeah. And so you've lived it. Like you were ready for it. It wasn't like, it was like, oh shit, I have to do this. Like, <laughs> yeah. You ready yeah. It rock? was, it was definitely like the first inning I was, I was good. The second inning is when I settled in and finally started, felt like I started pitching. Like that was, it was, the first one I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and heat it up a little bit and see what I can do. Like see what what I what I get out of this wing that I haven't pulled out of it yet. And dude, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. I was I was happy to see my my teammates, man, especially there's a my teammates were real happy for me and that that made me that made it made my day, man. It it really did. I know the I know it's kinda like a big it's kinda like a big thing and you know, I I, uh, I appreciate the support from from everybody. You know, friends and family back home that I haven't really put anything out on social media. Um, but no, I I got all the messages and and I'm still going through them. And I'm and I appreciate every one of them. Brent, one one last question for me for all the people out there who doubt your changeup and your screwball. They're two different pitches, correct? Yep. <laughs> for the record. For the record, thank you very much. <laughs> they're, I'm kind of in between on them right now. Like they're kind of morphed together. It's just a little. It's just, I've just been kind of crafting and I've been kind of crafting behind closed doors. So we're okay. we're, we're on the way though. We're okay. on the way. They'll start. Okay. They'll start. They'll start looking a little different. Everyone out there. Everyone out there is like, oh, it's one pitch. No, it's yeah. not. Like, no, it's a change. It's a screwball style changeup. It's like no, 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 no. He did it. And by the way. Statcast agreed. Brent did throw the first right-handed screwball in Statcast history to Aaron Hicks. So uh, mm. we're talking to someone. Put who him in the hall. Truly, truly made <laughs> history. Uh, Brent, we know. Uh, my, my last question for you is: like, we we know you got optioned after the game, and I know they want to see you know how you bounce back. Of course, with all of the the injuries, and I know you've been healthy lately, and you're you're doing great. Um, right. So we don't know when you'll see in the major leagues next, but. Uh, I mean, what's the next step? Like, did you feel like you learned anything from your first outing where it's like, okay, I got to work on that so that Aaron Judge only hits at 95 miles an hour instead of 105 miles an hour? <laughs> um, You know, I don't really, honestly, that's probably as dialed in as I could possibly get. <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, I was pretty yeah, dialed in. You were locked in. You were um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I, I've had this theory for, for, I don't know how long, at least four years. So I've I've had this theory for for a long time where you know I just don't think anybody hits executed pitches. I think if you know what you're doing and you execute what you're trying to do, you're not going to get beat around. You're not going to get hit hard. But you know, who am I to to say I've pitched I've pitched one time there. I've got two innings under my belt. But as of right now, my theory still stands pretty good. So I mean, mm-hmm. I just I just have to execute what I'm trying to do, and you know, hitters hit, man. Hitters hit, and that's a that's a, it's a pretty good lineup over there. So, you know, I was I was happy with everything. Well, Brent, we'll see you in the big leagues soon. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, more than two innings. Let Brent ride, baby. Uh, Brent Honeywell, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you, fellas. Thank you, thank you. All right, Jordan, that was good. And um, whatever your good is, is not going to be as good as that good. Um, but go no, ahead. No, it's not. It's not. Go ahead, not. man. That is the best of the good. But I will give my good this week, which is Mr. J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez, a player who I was very curious. He was in the bucket of players who was just absolute crap in 2020. Of course, on a lackluster, boring unwatchable Red Sox team, mostly because of their pitching. But J.D. Martinez, who had been one of the most consistent, excellent hitters in baseball for the five years leading up to 2020, was just terrible for his 54 games. He had a 680 OPS. He only hit seven home runs. And what has he done in the first eight games of this season? He has already hit five home runs, tied for the tied for the lead in Major League Baseball. He leads the league in doubles, in hits, and in RBI. He, uh, I saw this, this shocked me. He, 12 extra base hits in his first eight games, tied for the most ever with Dante Bichette 
1994 with the Rockies for through the first uh, eight games. So he's clearly on a ridiculous pace. He had a three home run game against your Orioles. He is only the fifth player ever with a three home run game with three different teams. The other four being Mark Teixeira, Dave Kingman, Dave Kingman, Alex Alex Rodriguez. Rodriguez, And Dave Kingman, Alex Rodriguez, Mark Teixeira, and Steve Finley. (laughs) No, Johnny Wise. Um, But that's pretty cool. And uh, I got to say, the Red Sox pitching is still a concern. But if him and Devers, who we know I love Devers, he has been ridiculous. I know they played the Orioles. So how impressive is it really? But That's the thing. That's the thing I was going to say. I know, I know, but uh, I, I do have to say that J.D. does look much better, and the fact that he's already had five homers when he had seven homers in all of last season is clearly a sign of something. So cheers to you, uh, Justingers Martinez. J.D. was one of the guys who, like, is all about video. Yeah. And he was, like, a big baby last year when it was like, I don't have my video. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, some of the players who were whining about not having video— we're making excuses for not being good. And like, that's fair. Cause it's like the bullshit COVID season guys were worse than you thought. That's I get all of that. But I think for some of them, video is just like a, a crutch. Right. But it, I guess for JD, like you need this video, you know, make your own Astros jokes, but like it obviously like helps him make in-game adjustments. Now at the same time, like he hit some home runs in his first at bat of games. Like he, that, what is that has nothing to do with video in game. That's just being good. Um, I think some of it is that he's been playing the terrible Orioles pitching, uh, and some of it is that he's back, but I think he's, yeah, he's not as bad as he was last year. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, all right. That was my good. Let's get to the bad, the bad, the bad, the bad. What was bad for you in the last week? Jake Mintz. Bad for me personally. No, bad. Eh, bad. We'll keep it. You know, the Texas Rangers offense. Okay. They are not good. They were no node by Joe Musgrove. As we said, uh, last week, they then got completely shut down and shut out by Tyler Glass. Now they have been shut out in three of the last four games. They are abysmal. And what's weird about it is that you look at the order and you look at the names and you're like, these guys should be like, they should be a better offense than the Orioles. Really? <laughs> right. Like they should be like as good as the Mariners. So honestly, mm-hmm. sorry. Like the sure. names on this list, yeah. Nate Lowe has played Nate Lau Lowe, Nate Lowe, Nate Lowe has Low. played a lot of Major League Baseball. Nick Solak apparently broke out last year or whatever. David Dahl was an all-star like 20 minutes ago. Joey Gallo is Joey Gallo. Ronald Guzman was Lee Dome MVP. Like these are guys who should be hitting more than they are, but holy shit, they are not. Jordan Schuessman, their best hitter so far has been a Jose Trevino, who I don't. The only thing I know about Jose Trevino is that he went to like uh, Oral Roberts because he was tweeting about it when they won in March Madness. That's like the only thing I can tell you about Jose Trevino. He's a 28-year-old catcher hitting 385. The bottom line, the Rangers could be the worst team in baseball. I know it is early and I'm sure they won't be this bad all year, but in the race to the bottom, they might be at the top. Great, great pick. Uh, I'm actually going to stay in Texas for a gentleman by the name of Martin Maldonado. And I'm going to spin this a little bit because picking one specific player and saying he's bad, I don't like doing that. It's not fun. It's not nice. Especially I also like Martin Maldonado. He seems and like I a also good like guy. Martin Maldonado. So he I handled the Astros this. baby's pitching staff last year exactly. really so, well. Okay, hold on. We're, we're going we're gonna to get there because I'm, I'm going to spin this positive. But uh, as I look at his batting line thus far this year, and the reason it stands out so much is because the Astros in general have been excellent. And when you look at their starting lineup, we know Jordan's back. Brantley has been incredible. Everyone except for Miles Straw, who we knew was not a good hitter, has been well above average. Even Yuli Gurriel is back to looking amazing. Correa's been awesome. Bregman, great. Altuve, great. Everyone is hitting extraordinarily well, except for poor Martin Maldonado, who is currently hitting 094-121. 094, yes, that's three for 32 with three singles, 15 strikeouts, one walk. But why am I going to spin this negative 38 OPS plus in a positive way? Well, because of what you just brought up. Because I would love to see Martin Maldonado descend into the new Jeff Mathis, where he is truly one of the most abominable hitters you could possibly imagine. But because his game calling and his leadership 
and his blocking and his framing and his defensive prowess, which is legitimate. And anyone that is around the Astros would know how important Martin Maldonado is to that team. I would love for him to just go full tank with the bat and full, you cannot exist without me behind the plate. I would love to see that. And so while the bad on offense remains bad and I think could be heading in a worse place, it wasn't that bad last year, but we've seen him have some, some rough stretches. I would love to see him lean into it, be the worst hitter in baseball, but still be irreplaceable. Martin, I'm rooting for you. Let's get to the Ugla. What do you have for Ugla this week, Jake Mintz? So my Ugla is honestly not Ugla. It is so good. It's like so good it's Ugla, Jordan. Okay. Um, and it is not a major league thing. Okay. And it's not even a baseball thing, oh. Jordan Schusterman. All right. My Ugla is Hope Troutwine. Oh, Ooh. Needs to be discussed. Needs to be talked about. Let's talk about it. For those of you not tuned in to the University of North Texas softball team, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, I get it. Hope Troutwine is a pitcher at the University of North, North Texas who made history this past weekend by striking out every single batter she faced in a perfect game in seven innings. That's right. The perfectest perfect game. Uh, I listened to her. She did an interview on NPR on Morning Edition. And the quote was, I guess it's never been done before, so it doesn't have a name. What a flex. What a flex from Hope Troutwine. We love softball pitchers. They are absolute just world-beating monsters. Like They, they throw so many innings. Just incredible shit. And it's- this is the top. Like it was against Arkansas Pine Bluff, which is not exactly like, you know, a top. No, it's, it's, it's not it's Oklahoma not the, or anything, but it's still. You're, you're, you struck out every single person you face. And here's the thing, all right? This is why softball, you talk about just, just the, the feats of, of, of resilience, the feats of stamina. When you think about, oh, wow, this pitching matchup, this is so great. I'm going to get to watch, you know, Kershaw and Scherzer. I'm going to get to watch DeGrom Nola. Okay, great. In college softball, you could get the two best pitchers just facing off three times in the same weekend. <laughs> like back to back yeah. to back to back to back days. It is so great. It is, I cannot recommend watching enough. There's so much college softball on ESPN Plus all the time. But I also want to mention, and then Bobby, I'll let you chime in here, that this is not the first time Hope Troutwine has struck out 21 batters. In fact, her first start of the season, she struck out 21 against Southeastern Louisiana. Now she also allowed two runs in that game, five hits, but all of her outs were strikeouts, which is fantastic. So I want to be the left fielder for this team. <laughs> Dude, this is like the story of people like Satchel Page used to like wave his fielders off, <laughs> said he didn't need them. Like I hope yeah. Trout Ryan is the truth. Right. So what a uh, I just petition to name this right here. What are you guys nominating? Name this type of game. The impeccable game. An impeccable game. Impeccable game. I had floated immaculate game because there's already immaculate inning. Yeah, but we already have immaculate. Uh, how about flawless victory? <laughs> flawless victory sounds like some anime shit. That's, I mean, it's literally yeah, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So there you go. I kind of like that. I think that's great. Flawless victory sounds like that's so good. Uh, I'm going with flawless victory. That's going to be her uh, biography, the title of her biography. Flawless victory, the Hope Trout Wine story. God, it's so great. So yeah, so there are, but just so you know, I mean, Hope's great. She's been great in her career in North Texas, but there are there are college softball pitchers putting up just ludicrous lines on the reg, and you should all start paying attention. Shouts out Gabby Plain at University of Washington. Oh, uh, yeah. This game alone is worth like three war. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, it's actually God. worth one war, Bobby. It's one win. <laughs> Perfectly one war. One war accumulated. Uh, all right. My ugly this week, Jake, is also not major, not something that happened on a major league field. You're not going to make it major, Jordan? It is. And I'm not going to hashtag make it major. It is the news. I actually wonder, maybe did you see this? Did you see the news about the MLB Draft League that came out this week? No. You did no. not see the news. Oh, my God. No. I'm so excited to tell you this. Okay, ready? Yeah. The, uh, Jake, do you know what the MLB Draft League is? Yeah, the MLB Draft League is a league that MLB is using as an excuse for killing off certain minor league teams uh, that will be attended and filled with players who are about to be drafted 
or were not drafted or one day may be drafted. Sure. Uh, basically, yes. So uh, some of the minor league teams that are no longer affiliated are joining what is essentially going to be a college-level wood bat league uh, that is, this is the inaugural season. So teams including the Trenton Thunder, West Virginia Black Bears, Mahoney Valley, uh, Scrappers, Reggie Keys, Williamsport, Crosscutters, State College Spikes. So if you've heard of those minor league teams, they will be in this inaugural MLB draft league. And because the draft is farther back, there's more time yeah. for players to uh, go and, and help their draft stock. If their college season didn't go well, they're going to fill these with college players, officially scout them, play in major league, you know, minor league parks, et cetera, et cetera. A league that Jordan and I will be visiting by bike at some point this summer. Now, Jake Mintz, the news that came out of the MLB Draft League. I can't wait. Is that they announced the six managers for the MLB Draft League. Okay. Yeah. All right. The six managers for the MLB Draft League. All right. Bo Jackson. Okay. It is not Bo Jackson. That'd be good. Ellen DeGeneres. There are. uh, They asked Jake, but he was too busy coaching Little League, so he had to turn it down. Uh, here are the names of the managers. Okay, I'm going to give you the six managers. I, I admittedly, I'm not familiar with a, f- a couple of these. Are, are you Chipper familiar Jones. with Chipper Jones? With, with a gentleman named uh, There's Jeff Manto. These are all I obviously. Oh, players. Jeff Manto. Does he know Jeff, Jeff Manto? Manship? Jeff Manto. Yes, Jeff Manto. Who uh, uh, he he's coached in the Phillies org. Okay, great. Derek May, who coached in the Cardinals org. Okay, he, he played. All right, Derek May. Billy Horton, who has been coaching uh, with the Giants. Okay. Coach ass name. That's great. Uh, and then here's a name you might recognize. Uh, Delwyn Young. Delwyn Whoa. Young will be managing. Okay. Yeah. Coco Crisp will yes! be managing. Coco Crisp will be managing. I'm old. Which is amazing, and we love Coco. But the reason I am bringing you the Ugla here today is that also managing in this league will be Cliff Pennington. Amazing guess, but no, and no one else would understand why that's funny because that's an inside joke between you and me, but no, none other than Jed Jerko. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Jed Jerko. I assume he's managing the West Virginia team. He is managing the West Virginia team. That is correct. Wow. Jed Jerko, <laughs> who is a Morgantown, West Virginia native. Where to the, the- West Played at West Virginia. Played the West Virginia. street has a bunch of records at West Virginia. Yeah, the street that the stadium is on mm-hmm. is Jorko Way, mm-hmm. Jorko Drive, mm-hmm. or whatever. So all of that makes perfect sense. That's great. That's awesome. But may us let us remind you that Jed Jerko was essentially the best hitter on the Brewers last year, and. I missed him saying I'm retiring to go manage in the MLB Draft League. Forgive me if I missed that. But even if he had done that, I would have been like, what? You were just the best hitter on the Brewers. <laughs> like, what is going on? He's 32. And I don't, like, here's the reason why I'm bringing this up. Maybe he just couldn't get work because the market is stupid and major league teams are cheap and whatever, right? Maybe he is retiring. Maybe he is done. I, I don't know. But what I want to see is that this is just like, oh, I get to manage in my hometown at my at the stadium where the streets named after me. This is cool. I want to manage in the future. Great. And I would love to see him come back and play Major League Baseball next oh, yeah. year <laughs> after, after, managing, after uh, managing the MLB Draft League. So. That's such a great Wikipedia trajectory, too. Oh, my God. Right. And if you're reading that in 40 years, you're like, wait, what? Why did he left like to he, manage? He could totally get a minor league deal somewhere. Yeah, if there's he wanted, no way. Right? He's, he's like, okay, than- the Yankees training for Rugnet Odor, I would have rather had Jed Jorko. That's the thing. So again, um, I, I guess, and he, he has a quote here. Uh, this is in Prep Baseball Report. Prep Baseball Report's running the league, so they have a quote here. He says, I'm hoping to provide these young players with experiences and give them knowledge on what the next level will look like. Hopefully prepare them for their successful careers. I'm thankful for the opportunity and look forward to gaining managerial experience, especially in my hometown where I'll be able to spend more time with my family. So that sounds more like- That makes like sense. A, yeah, like, okay, cool. Again, just very weird. He's 32. If he was 35, maybe he's been injured and he's like, but he was Best just hitter really on good. the on a playoff team, barely. Last year, he'd be the best hitter on the Rangers right now. Absolutely. And he's just like, I'm gonna manage. He's like, I'm gonna go manage this weird team. Damn. So spoken anyway. like a man not looking at Kiner Falefa's exit velocities on Statcast. <laughs> hey, I I am looking at Kiner Falefa's exit velocity. He's hitting the shadow of the ball. Okay. See those things are <laughs> those hits are gonna start dropping. Uh, but I was cleaning out my jersey drawer, Jordan, the other yeah. day, and I, I found my Jed Jorko Padres poop and pee that I have. Oh, 
There you go. Well, uh, Jed, I, I wish you the best, the best of luck. Um, I love that the best player in West Virginia baseball history is named Jed. That's dude, great. great. That's, and, and now I'm going to wear my, my black bears hat with even more pride now. So there you uh, go. Uh, the ugly great one. There's, That's a great there's one. my ugly. I'm so glad. I'm super glad you didn't see that. Cause I was like, Oh, if he saw it, like, I mean, it would have been a good conversation anyway, but I was like, I can't wait to reveal this. So that was so <laughs> thank good. you all for sticking with me through the, through the reveal there. All right. That is our good, bad and ugly. Uh, now we move on to two final segments. One, uh, all about me and Jake. And the last one, of course, about Bobby Wagner. MetsCon is back, Bobby. We're going to do Mariners Orioles first because, uh, More give important. me time to think about, uh, MetsCon. Okay. Jake Mintz today. BBQ Bowl! In about an hour, the Seattle Mariners will take on the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. Ran out on Monday, doubleheader, seven inning doubleheaders on Tuesday. We got Sheffield. Look, if you're the Mariners, at any time you can run out two guys with ERAs above seven back to back lefties uh, in a doubleheader, you got to do it. You got to feel, you got to feel really good. And then we'll get Justin Dunn against Matt Harvey on Wednesday. And then the series. Conclu- the series finale, Marco Gonzalez and his 10-4-5 ERA opening day starter against Bruce Zimmerman. Justin Dunn against Matt Harvey. Wow. Yeah, That's Dunn. the uh, guys Bobby was really high on in 2016 <laughs> bowl. There you go. There's there's your Mets. The Mets con is not yet, Bobby says, so hold on. Um, I know most of you are listening and you're like, who gives a shit? These teams suck. I don't want to listen we to you give talk a about shit. this. We give a shit. Sorry, we host this podcast. Now, the reason I really want to bring this up is that uh, it's not really about what happens in this series. Um, yes, it but is. More, uh, I guess, of course, it's about that. Um, but the fact is, is that the last time that these two teams played, we were in attendance. We were there. In, in Baltimore in September of 2019. And I believe, I'm going to have to fact check this, uh, but I believe that's the last time the Orioles played a non-Eastern opponent, uh, which is weird, of course, with the with the pods in 2020. It was only playing teams on the East. Um, but yeah, Baltimore, Seattle. Yeah, because that was that was the last time. And now here they are the first time once again playing the Mariners. And when we went to that game, we saw the Orioles defeat, defeat. Felix Hernandez in Felix's penultimate start with the Seattle ball club. Uh, I saw Kyle Lewis Homer. That was during his uh, stretch. That was very cool. Um, but I believe Hanser Alberto homered Hanser in that Alberto game. Hanser Alberto homered off of, and Santander homered off of but Felix. Jordan, we get yeah. four games. It's we like the games, MLB yeah. scheduling committee was like, Let's throw Jake and Jordan a bone. Let's do it. And then, uh, yeah, and then it's in the first week of May, we got the three games in Seattle. So we'll get seven. Seven-game series begins today. Um, I mean, Best we're not going to actually preview it, but the point is, is uh, I mean, what, what, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about your O's? How are you feeling about your O's? Do you like your chances going into the series? I think the O's can actually hit. I think yeah, they're a think good hitting team. I do. I think so, too. I think the pitching is really awful. John Means tonight against, or this afternoon against Sheffield. I feel great about that. I think the Mariners have no shot against mm-hmm. Means. Mm-hmm. I think they they will split the series. I think two to two. I actually think the Orioles are going to win both games today. And then I think they're going to lose the next two. Um, yeah. I think Mark Gavish's is a great matchup for those. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. See, the, the two lefties today, I'm not feeling super awesome about. Uh, the Mariners, of course, dealing with <laughs> dealing with injuries, probably losing packs into Tommy John is just heartbreaking for a million oh, reasons. Oh, I missed and, that. And Kyle Lewis, uh, that's not official yet, but seems like he's going to be out, which is super shitty for 100 reasons. And then Kyle Lewis hasn't played a game yet. So yeah. that sucks. Uh, the lineup is not exactly what we were expecting it to be. But hey, Ty France has been awesome. Mitch Hanniger has been awesome. Kyle Seeger looks rejuvenated. He does not look overpaid. And I think I, I think a split in this series would be good, and and we'll and it'll be good to then we could really go into that three game set in May, oh. you know, with the high stakes. Best of three, not sleeping for a month between the two sets. <laughs> Jordan, I being a fan of a bad team, we talk about this all the time. Um, you find the joy where you can, and so far this year, Cedric Mullins has been a source of joy. You look for things to care about, Cedric Mullins, everyone actually good. You probably, if you play fantasy baseball, you definitely know about this because of stolen bases. Everyone knows this fast people, which is always weird to me. Uh, but Cedric Mullins, he scrapped switch hitting, which I think is always yeah. a great idea. <laughs> simplify, simplify. And he's just been crushing it. I think he's like tied for the league lead in hits. Oh, he might be one behind your mean now because uh, your mean played last night. But yeah, he's actually good. The Orioles have like five or six actually good major league baseball players. 
Uh, and Cedric Mullins is not one of them. Is there a guy in the Mariners this year who has elevated into you actually think they're a good major leaguer before? Oh, like, okay, so the actual, sure. actually good Mariners major leaguers mm-hmm. in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Hanager, Seeger are the two most obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lewis doesn't count yet because he's still hurt. Um, I mean, I'll count Lewis. I, I, I would probably, yeah, Lewis and then Marco when he's going right. Yeah. And then... Is there a fifth I'm obviously missing? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, really, it's how much do you believe in Dylan Moore? Do you believe? I mean, J.P. Crawford, I think, is a net good player because he's an yeah, excellent yeah, yeah. shortstop and he gets on base enough. Um, and then, yeah, France has not been good defensively. He's hitting great, and that's fine. So, uh, I don't know. I will yeah, say... Anytime you can cute. toss a new player into that batch, right? Exactly. That's what you're looking for. Oh, and then, but the obvious thing, because um, he has been good. I know he's been. he has been striking out a lot, but... Taylor Trammell, dude. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he is. He's a delight. Of course, he's been on this podcast. He's he's one of the most likable, rootable guys in the league. Um, the fact that he's on my favorite team is so special, and he's had some big moments. They've had some already three comeback wins this year, which has been great. And he's been at the part at the front of, of a couple of those. So Trammell's been awesome, and I'm so glad that he's. That's that's been one of the the bright spots of Lewis being hurt is Trammell getting some run in center field. Which yeah. has been really fun. But the pitching's got, especially if Paxton's out, it's going to be dicey to say the least. And I will say, uh, Cedric Mullins tied for the league lead in hits with JD Martinez and Ronald Acuna Jr., who we have already talked about on this episode. So there you go. Uh, all right, that's the BBQ Bowl. It's time for MetsCon. Before we say goodbye, Bobby Wagner, come Jordan, back. Yes. I want to read. Um... I refuse I to be the, chastised. I refuse I, to be chastised for how I feel in my I heart. I want to read. I want to. I'm going to read the text. Jordan. No, it, read the text? <laughs> no, this no, no, is no. ridiculous. No, no, no. It's you can read the text. I don't care. You read the text. I, I'll say that out loud on the pod. I'll read <laughs> no, the text we myself. We can get the real thing. Are uh, you sure? I, I just think it's a good starting point. Here is here is the point we're going to. Here's what we are going to discuss here on MetsCon. Okay, we're going to discuss Jacob Degrom and how he's the best pitcher in the world, but how yeah. the Mets don't win when he pitches. Okay. That's the topic, all right? That's the but topic. that's not what Bobby said. But Bobby, that's the Socratic seminar that we're sitting down to have. Bobby, Bobby said, and yes. I quote, "I legitimately do not enjoy watching this team." Unquote. That's what I said. I didn't say that they're a bad team. I didn't say that they're an unfun team. I said right. I legitimately do not enjoy right. watching this team. And my take, which I is think true is of that- every Mets team since 1996, <laughs> the day that I was born, bro. That is a you problem. That is a you problem. It's not the Mets. Great. So ask me the MetsCon then. Ask me what MetsCon is at. Yes. Well, where, four. What's four. At? Everything is fine. Every, yeah, we're four fine. games into the season. Two okay. games have been rained out. First <laughs> series delayed. Okay. Then everything what, is totally Bob, fine. What's BobCon at? Do you need... You, you all right? Like, <laughs> Here's there are on, bigger factors here. Okay. Saturday. Let me just set the scene for you guys. Saturday. BobCon. Saturday. I wake up. Okay, game's early. It's a day game. That's 10 wow. a.m. for your boy. Ooh, 10 a.m. Setting, setting the alarm. 10 a.m. for your boy. I was cleaning, Un- I was cleaning un- the apartment beforehand. Unrelatable for these East Coast elites here. Exactly. East Coast bias in full effect here. I, I was cleaning the apartment and turned on the Mets game, watching DeGrom. What a joy. I mean, Jazz takes him deep. Amazing speed on the hands from Jazz on an 0-2, 101 mile an hour fastball. That's just <laughs> absurd. I don't know how the hell he did that. Listen to R2C2. Featuring Jazz Chisholm on Thursday. Uh, I'm watching it. I'm having a great time watching Jake. And then I have to go take my dog to obedience training. And if you know anything about my dog, which none of the BBQ listeners would. She's I don't even know case. anything about OBB- obedience training. I need some of that. She just needs a little behavioral help. Okay. And she didn't yeah, do great. I had that. She didn't do great too. at obedience training. And then mm-hmm. I pop out of obedience training, which is an hour long, and it's the eighth inning, and I see that DeGrom is notching his 14th strikeout as I'm driving home through LA traffic, and the Mets are still losing one nothing, mm-hmm. And they've only been able to muster three hits. So that's you where who, I was at. Bob you know Kahn needs, was higher than Mets Kahn at the time. It was I an need, overcorrection, guys. You know who needs obedience training is the Mets offense. <laughs> yeah. So here's the point that I want to make, okay? We, we, we can keep this short. As someone with vast experience watching an excellent pitcher not get any run support. I it look it sucks. You want to see happy Jacob Degrom after the game. I get that, right? I'm I'm with you on that. But at this point, no one is doubting his greatness. No one is saying he's not the best pitcher in baseball. When I watch him, and even when they give the homework to Jazz, I am in complete disbelief of what I am watching. He is the most 
unfathomable pitcher I can remember in terms Agreed. of dominance. And I know Gary Cole, like he is all that. And I, I, if he was on my team, I literally would not give a shit. Like the point is, is I'm watching him pitch. What happens in the other innings? Of course, I want my team to win. That's fine. But it's like, it would not, I, I'm just saying, I, I can't imagine it ruining my enjoyment of Jacob DeGrom, the fact that they happen to not win when he no, pitches. No, it doesn't ruin my enjoyment. I said, I tweeted this. I said, it adds a year of, it adds a year to my life based on pure joy. <laughs> And then when the Mets right. fuck it up in the ninth inning, it takes the year right back. Net zero yeah. experience. <laughs> I enjoy those eight innings. I enjoy yeah. more yeah. time than okay. I don't. Okay. But then right okay. after that, when I look up at the box score and they have no runs or one run and they have mustered less than five right. hits. I would just, just say that pulls it all this away. will be very... And again, with Felix, I didn't even get anywhere close to this because they were never in the postseason. But like when this happens in games when it matters, fine. Okay. It did happen April. in games when it matters. It just so happened that Daniel <laughs> Murphy decided to take Kershaw deep down the right field line and hook it around the foul pole, and it was okay. I know, I know. And Daniel Murphy not coming back anytime soon. Probably for the best. And maybe I'm overstating the fact that Mets fans are so uh, over the top, you know, just like dramatic, like this is miserable. Like, dude, man, Jacob Grom is so amazing. I just, yeah. he it was more, so amazing. The thing that, that sent me into a frenzy was Bobby's tag that he does not enjoy watching this team. And that the Mets have been, I'm not denying this, over the last, over your lifetime, been an infuriating ball club. But they have been an infuriating ball club that has been fascinating to watch. Like, they have never That's been cute boring. that you think that it's fascinating <laughs> to watch. Maybe come I mean, watch one Mets game. Come watch experiment. a Mets game with me one of these days, Jake, after, yeah. after we're inoculated. I, I should say, everyone. Uh, bike I, over to LA since it's the only way you know how to get places. The only way to get anywhere. Got a bike. It's good for the environment. I have tickets for Mets Orioles on, I think it's May 12th in Queens. It'll be the first game I'm going to uh, with my with my full inoculation. And I will, you remember to bring the recorder, report live, <laughs> report live from the, should I call you, Bobby? Should yes. we record from the seat? Yeah. I'll update okay. you as I watch along on TV. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, MetsCon is fine. BobCon, a little more questionable. But thank you, Bobby, for participating as always. Thank you to Jake Mintz for doing Mm. this podcast with me. Thank you to Brent Honeywell Jr. Man, hope he's back in the big league soon. Thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, And uh, we will, again, by the way, of course, you'll hear Ringer MLB show later this week on this here feed, the Ringer Baseball feed. Make sure you're following on Spotify. Just a reminder for everybody, uh, we mentioned this last week, but the show, the feed, us, and the Ringer MLB show, that feed is moving to Spotify exclusive starting this week, which means you go to Spotify, download it on your phone, add it to your phone. It's free. Totally F-R-E-E free. Uh, Thank you, everyone. We will talk to you next Tuesday. Goodbye. Hello. Ugh. Hello. Ugh. Let me let me try again. Sorry. Can you do that in baseball? Can you just throw out a, <coughs> a second and third first pitch? Are you allowed no, to do that? No, that's fine. It's I'm I'm 2-0. You're 2-0. Okay. Good waste. Good waste. <laughs>